All right, here we go. Today's daf is daf kuf yud zayin, page one seventeen. But we have a lot of ground to cover. We're on the daf kuf tes zayin. We're on one sixteen amud beis. We're at tanu rabbanon. We're going to call it about twelve lines or so from the top of kuf tes zayin amud beis, all the way up. We have a lot of ground. Get ready for a fun ride. There's going to be an incredible journey. Really, uh, so many incredible gemaras. A lot of stories. And let's uh, let's uh, let's, uh, let's cover grounds. So here we go. Turn our button. The rabbis learn solution. We quick introduction. A bunch of people are in danger. In order to get themselves out of danger, um, they all need to bribe their way out. Does everybody give an equal amount of money, or should each of them give equal percentage to what they otherwise would have lost? What we learned yesterday, listen closely, it's incredible. What we learned yesterday is like this. If your life is in danger, everybody gives equally because all of our lives are the same. If your finances are in danger, then it works like this. You're traveling with $100,000. I'm traveling with $500,000. You're traveling with a million dollars. You're traveling with $2 million. Your $2 million are at risk. Uh, your million dollars at risk. My $500,000 is at risk. Your $100,000 is at risk. If we want to bribe our way out, we only give percentage-wise. We don't all have to give the same. So if in order to get these bandits to not take away our money, it costs 500 grand, we don't each need to give an equal amount because you are in for the biggest loss, so you have to put the most in. Get it? Incredible. But the Gemara says, you should know, it does depend on the minug of how things work in that place as well. But if there's no set minug, this is how it should be divided. Okay, fascinating idea. Continuing on that theme, this is what our Bryce says. You have a boat that is going in the ocean. And we have a nachshol, we have a mikshol, a, a problem is here. Call it a crazy storm. The hikilu masos, what do you got to do? You got to lighten the load. What's the halacha? So each person has to unload according to the amount of weight that they brought on board. It doesn't go by value. It goes by weight because that's the problem. The problem is the weight. But you don't change from the usual way of the svanim of the sailors, meaning if there's a set custom that they tell you to do, follow instructions. Otherwise, this is the way it should be calculated. If Rashoim has svanim and the, the, we'll call it the ship captains, are permitted, lahasnais, to make a condition. That if he loses his boat, okay, that uh, you guys got to help uh, pay it back. Let's say somebody lost his boat because you like we learned yesterday, it means somebody was negligent over here. Ain't Mamid, and then they don't because it's his fault. You should have been a better captain. What if there wasn't any negligence? Then they do need to help them to get a new boat. Let's say he went to a place where he, he, the boat wasn't supposed to go, yeah, and he banked over there, and now the whole thing is stuck. Ain't Mamid, they don't need to help him out. This is simple. You got to tell me that if the boat captain is negligent and he loses his boat, no one's got to pay him back. Why would we pay him back? This guy's Tamim Why should we pay him? What happened was in Nisan, people usually use one rope to anchor themselves. But in Tishrei, they take two ropes away from the bank. So depending on how high, the word's not tied, but there, there's times where the rivers are higher, times where rivers are deeper, depending on the depth, 
That's how close you're supposed to go to the bank. That's the risk. Over here, he didn't use the proper thing, and he went the days of Nisan during Tishri. So I would have thought to say, uh, that Lamaisa, he's allowed to eat. There, there are times where this rope is used, and therefore he's not being negligent. Now, why not? It's the wrong time of year. The answer is Mama Shachosh of a thing, fascinating psychology, and that is, I forget the word, but plasticism. When you go, you build enough mental muscle, brain muscle, that at a certain point you just do it. Oh, yeah. Memory muscle. Memory muscle. Okay? So I, I might say that, listen, maybe this captain you, is, is used to doing it a certain way because he travels more in, in that specific time of year. So maybe it's not, it's not considered negligence. Not considered, this is what he's used to. This is what he's used to. not considered, ah, you should have been more careful. That's not necessarily negligence. Kamash Malan. So it lets us know that there is... There, it lets us know that there is negligence over here. And therefore, if something goes awry, if something goes wrong, the, uh, the other people on, on the boat do not need to pay him back. Tanu Rabbanon, another b'risa. Here we go. Tanu Rabbanon, the rabbis learned, and that's why they're rabbis. Shayara, shayabalech is by Midbar. Now you have a caravan going in the Midbar, going in the desert. Va'amad Gaius and bandits, uh, Gaius are really uh, warriors, Warriors come, big, strong, Chavra, Utrafa, and they take, they, they loot the caravan. And guess what happens? Aig happens to be in the caravan. So these bandits go and they take everything. Tough guys. Pumped, you got this one guy who's the best boxer in the world. And he walks out and he tells the Aylam, listen, give it back. Mm-mm. He says, okay, either you give it back or I break your neck. Mm-mm. And he goes and he breaks their necks and takes the money back. Okay? So, here's the Shaila. Does he own it now? Does he own it? Because look, the bandits took it. He's the one that... So the is means it's divided equally, which means it all, they all go back to the original owner. However, what if they take all the stuff and this guy, this, these chevra, they take the stuff and this guy says specifically before getting it back, he's like, chevra, watch this. I'm going to get everything from me. Now that it's theirs, I'm about to be rich. I'm going to get my stuff. He'd see like the then he'd keep everything for himself. Says more hechi dummy. What's the case over here? If they're able to get the property back themselves, I feel the Everything should be divided equally because nobody ever gave up hope. So it's, it's, everybody should get back their own property. And if there's no way they're getting it back without this guy, I feel Even in the first case, when he didn't say anything, he should get the whole thing. Practically speaking, everybody else abandoned it. The bandits took it. He's going to save it. So why shouldn't he get it there? explains, we're dealing with a case where everybody in the caravan equally owned the property. So it wasn't like you had your thing in the caravan, I had my thing in the caravan, and we just happened to be traveling together. We were all partners in the items that we were bringing to the fair. Let's put it like that. And we know there's a halacha that one partner cannot remove a partnership without everybody else agreeing. So, see, here we go. Get ready. This guy's a partner. 
Since no, if nobody else agrees that he could dissolve the partnership, they still own it. Because they're not abandoning it because he's part of the ownership. They know why Malachaboshan's here in the caravan. So Omar, if he says, I am keeping it, okay, so that he can keep it. If he doesn't say the Laipalik, he hasn't split it up and Mamela, and, uh, and therefore he's obligated to share with uh, everybody else. Rav Omar, Rav says, Okay, you want to explain that we're dealing with partners. I can explain we're dealing with Payalim. Okay, what are Payalim? These Chavra are all hired workers. Now, I'm sorry. They, all, they were all owners, and this like Malachaboshan was a Payal. He was a hired worker. Okay, so now this hired worker, why is he there? Why is like Malachaboshan in the caravan? They need a tough guy there. They need a guy who breaks people's necks. To protect themselves. So for him to go, stop and save it and say, well, now it's all mine. They're like, no. What does that mean, the Meshuggah? That's why you're here. Our stuff. But if he says beforehand, I'm dissolving, uh, you know, he says, listen, I'm not, uh, don't pay me or whatever. Now I'm on my own. Then he could keep it. If you're a hired worker, you go back out. You go back out. Even in the middle of the day. Who could back out? The worker. The worker, if, well, if you hire... Back, he can't back out at the moment of his... Uh, if he says beforehand... If, at uh, the moment of, the, of his action, the moment they hide him for... Yeah. He can't, he can't back out. According to Rav, he could. And they just don't pay him. There's a problem. We're going to get on a Mirza We're going to get... When we, when we continue to go through Nazikin, we're going to come across... That there's times where a person uh, legally, halachically, financially is permitted to do certain things, but there's a curse on you. There's a curse on you. It's the wrong thing, but we can't stop you. We, we can't stop you. There's a, specifically, the, one of the most famous ones is Misha Para. Misha Para is an expression. Misha Para Midar Hamidbar, that there are a bunch of them who took payment from the, I'm sorry, from the Dar Hamabal. HaKadosh Baruch Hu took payment for the people of the Mabal. They, they figured out a way to take advantage of other people's uh, financial problems to them when they had no right to do that. There's a curse that's put on you. Abulamais, you can't stop it. Some are of the opinion in a case like this, you can't just back out. Rob's of the opinion you could. There's going to be a curse on you, but, but uh, luckily you're allowed to. The commonly, if he doesn't back out, so then it's all considered the owners. But when he does back out, he does back out, it could be for another reason. The children of Israel are Avadim. Bottom line is, we are not servants for servants. Don't forget that. Never forget. We all work for one master. That's it. Same master. The good Lord. There's a system in place where we work. Sometimes our bosses are the ones who write the paychecks. But we don't work for our boss. We work for the big boss. We work for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. B'nai Yisrael are avodim. To who? God. V'lai avodim la'avodim. We're not, we're not uh, servants to servants. Since we work for the Rabbani Shalom and nobody else, halachically, says Rav, you cannot force another Jew to work for you. He might have a curse on, on his end. He wants to back up. But there's no such thing. You're, nobody's your slave. Nobody's your servant. We're avodim. We're not avodim for 
Avodim. And if somebody wants to back out and, and not be a man, we say a man's as good as his word, right? Somebody wants to not be a man, okay, that's his cheshbon. I can't force him to stay. Ravashi Yom Ravashi gives another approach, another mahalach, how you can have this guy in the caravan who, who if he says beforehand it's going to be mine, he keeps it. If he doesn't say it, then he's got to divide it. What's that case? Ravashi explains, where the owners of the caravan were able to, they, they themselves were able to save it, but it's hard. It, it would have taken a lot of effort to save it, but they didn't abandon it because they could have got it back. But it's like, if I have an opportunity to get it back, and it's going to take a lot of work, and I know there's a guy here, Igmelech Aboshim, is here, and he can, he'll, he'll take care of it. I'll let him take care of it. Yeah? Not that I abandoned it, I could do it too, but for me it's going to be a lot harder. So, so if he says that he's revealing, you know, that he's keeping it for himself, so that he can keep it. If he didn't, if he wasn't a galadas that he's doing this for himself, then Emsa, everybody is going to split it equally. Period. End of that. Gemara, Mamash, incredible. Gemara, Yisaitis, foundational ideas. We're now by the Mishnah towards the bottom of Kuf, Tes, Zion, Amad Beis, 116b. Let's call it yeah, 13, 14 lines from the bottom of yesterday's daf. Again, Kuf, Tes, Zion. Here we go. Says the Mishnah, somebody steals a field from somebody else. How do you steal a field? How do you steal a field? How do you steal a field? So I'll tell you a maisa. I'll tell you a quick story. Make a change. Huh? Make a change. Very good. Or you move fences. You move borders. I'll tell you a maisa. With my uncle, Yechil, Per, Zolzan Gesund. When they lived in South Ozone Park in Jamaica, Queens... So they had an Italian neighbor, and my uncle, who was a kid at the time, saw the Italian neighbor moving the fence between the yards to expand his backyard. Between your backyard. Between, his, between my grandparents. Right. And theirs. And the Italian neighbor, he was expanding the, he was moving the fence to steal their land. So it was around the time of the uh, Korean war of psychological warfare was a big thing. So my uncle Yechiel, as a kid, would purposely go outside every day when he saw this once, and with a measuring tape and a ruler, when the neighbor saw that he was measuring, and he was going to show the neighbor that he knows exactly what's going on. That's my uncle did. He did this for a few days. After a few days... You know, making sure the neighbor saw that he knew, you know, he's a kid. So he didn't want to fight, but he wants the guy to know. You know, so he says, the neighbor comes out and he says, hey, kid, I want to tell you something. He says, he says, uh, there once were two men fighting over land. And one man said the land was mine. The other said the land was mine. And they went to the rabbi. And the rabbi said, well, each of you claim the land is yours. Let's hear what the land has to say. And the rabbi puts his ear down to the land, listens for a minute, stands up, and he said, the land says, you're both mine. So he tells my uncle Yechiel, he says, kid, don't get so bent out of shape about land. We're both ending up underground eventually anyway. <laughs> and you know who told me that story? Your dad. 
He tells Yechiel that my grandfather saw him do it also. My grandfather tells him and he turns the table on my uncle. Okay, fine. I'm going to steal your land because you guys are Jewish and you don't care. Give out. Okay. So I go to stay here. A guy steals land from his friend. Why? He moves the... Uh, he moves the fence. Unatalu masikin, and then masikin came. What are masikin? Uh, tough guys. They, they come and they, they they take the land away that was stolen. In makas medina he, if these chaver are all over the place stealing land from people, aimer loy haresha cholafenecha. The owner of the land, the the robber who took the land, could say, the owner of the land, listen, uh, uh, here's your land back. Anyway, you have no access to it, right? Because they were going to take everybody's land. So the, the robber basically could say, the same way they took my land after I moved the borders, they would have taken it from you also. And therefore, I have no responsibility to pay. However, if the reason why these tough guys took it from the robber because they were the mafia and they don't like this guy, so they took it from him and now it's stuck. It's with the mafia. It's nothing to do. Okay? If the, the robber cannot say to the original owner, oh, I don't have to pay you back. Because they would have taken it from you also. No, they wouldn't have. You got yourself in the black market. I didn't. The, the robber, in order to do tshuva, the, the ganav, is obligated to reimburse the owner. The word in the Mishnah was masikin. Some people say the word is masikin, and some people say the word is matzikin. Instead of a samach, it's a tzadi. Now, what's the difference between masikin and matzikin? Sigmar explains. The one who says that matzikin came, it's not a mistake. It does make sense. Why? It says in the Pasuk, Matzuk means with pressure. With pressure. Okay? That the enemy came and they pressured. You and they took your stuff. So that's what it means. Pressuring people came and took the land. That's Matzikim. If you say that the word is Matzikim came, also you not make a mistake. It says, Yiyarash HaTzalotzal. Tzalotzal um, is going to be Yerashit. Umetagaminon, and what this means is, Yachsinina Saka'a. Saka'a are going to inherit it. Now what is this referring to? This Rashi explains, it's referring to locusts. Locusts come and just destroy everything. They, they, they destroy everything. And it's considered like they're always stealing your stuff. They're always taking away your crap. So Sikin, Saka, is an act of thievery, an act of robbery. So that's, if you say it's Masikin, the word Masikin also is an expression of pressure. Either way, what it means is somebody stole land and these pressure people came. These people came and either pressured or stole from the Ganav. The halacha is, again, if they would have stolen it from the original owner too, the Ganav could say to the original owner, I'm off the hook, because it would have been taken from you. But if they only took it because you're the robber and they don't like you, you're going to be obligated to reimburse. If they took the land because, of the, uh, because it was in the Goslin's possession, then he's obligated to reimburse. Hey, what's the case? If you're going to say the case is where these pressure people took away the robber's field, but they didn't take away other fields. So these guys came. This mafia shows up. And they, how do I know if they're taking it because of him or because of everybody? The answer is because they took your land, not everybody else's. Otherwise, they would have taken everybody else's. Well, 
already learned this out from the Reisha, in Makas Medina, he We said, if this is a Makas Medina, if this is happening all over the place, then he's not responsible. Eli, but if it wasn't all over the place, Eli, he's not, uh, he's not going to be Potter. So the Gemara is asking a basic question, which is, our Mishnah said, the guy stole land by moving the fence. If it was Makas Medina, he doesn't need a payback. Okay, right? Make sense? What does that imply? If it wasn't Makas Medina, and it was just him, he should. So the Gemara is asking, why did the Mishnah have to say that explicitly? Why does Mishnah go on to say, what's the Kiddush? The Mishnah goes on, but if it's because of him, because of him, I know that. You told me he only doesn't pay back when it's Makas Medina. And it's the Gemara like Tzricha. No, it's, I have to speak about that case. I, I have to mention it specifically. Why? Okay. What this means is that uh, if you have these, this mafia that comes for land and you show somebody, you show the mafia somebody's land in the area. You're, you're, we're going to get on to a fascinating topic now. You're kind of like a miser. You're a snitch, you're, which you're, you're giving over somebody else's property to the mafia, and you're obligated to reimburse the owner because you played a role in him you taking this specific land. That's right. That's right. You point him somebody else's direction. And the Mishnah says, since you caused that other person's land to, to be taken away by the mafia, you're obligated to give the field back. Another way to learn this, what's the case? Where these Goyim came and they forced, the, the, again, this guy, this Yid stole land by moving a fence. Then the Abayadus Kachavim came, took the land, and said to him, hey, where's, where's everything else that's there? And he showed them the land that he stole along with other lands. So then the Mishnah says, you still got to pay up. You got to pay up. Because you showed them the land that you stole. And therefore, again, you're a cause. You're a cause of this specific land being taken. It tells the Gemara story. Yahu Gavra, there was a fellow. Incredible. There was a guy who showed the Reish Galusa's wheat to the mafia. And also the commander of Nachman, they came in front of Rav Nachman. The Reish Galusa took this guy to Rav Nachman. Okay? And they, they said, listen, this guy got our fields, uh, got our fields taken away. Rav Nachman, uh, Rav Nachman obligated him to pay. Rachman said, you got to pay. He said, you got to pay. Whoever snitched on the wheat of the Reish Galusa has to pay them. Okay? We're now three lines from the bottom of Kuftez Zayin Amaral. Yosef, Rabbi Yosef, Achroi de Rav Yehuda Barchia. Rabbi Yosef was sitting behind Rav Hud Barchia. Yosef, Rav Huna Barchia, Kameid Rav Nachman. Rav Huna Barchia was sitting in front of Rav Nachman. Now, by the way, just to mention this, Whoever sat in front had a higher stature. The, as we're going to see later, the lower your stature was, the more you sat in the back. I don't know how this flies nowadays or how this would fly, but it's a big aside. It's foundational. It's very important people know where, you're, where your place is. It's important to know where your place is. I mean, this goes back a few years. For somebody in town, he was at the three Kaplan's and I went in to see him. Just yeah. Sitting like 
and squeezed into the corner and the back of the back. There you go. <laughs> Lucky to get into the room. Next year, I asked him, like, how are you doing? I mean, I didn't understand right. any significance to the whole thing. But I guess he understood the significance. He said, I'm up front. There you go. Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. Yeah. <laughs> so, I so Reb, this is how it is. As I said, the Gemara. That's what the Gemara says. Gavaldik. So there's the order that they said. Yosef Rav Huna Barachia Kameh Rav Nachman. Amle Rav Huna Barachia Le Rav Nachman. Rav Huna Barachia Zed Rav Nachman. Dinoi Knosa. Yeah, he says, is, um, is this a uh, halacha financial law or is it a knas? Amle, he says, Mastisin, let's learn that from a Mishnah. Tanam, we learned in the Mishnah. Imach Masa Gazlan. If the mafia takes it, because just, I hope we keep in mind, we're not dealing specifically with the mafia. I'm just using them as an example of people who just come and take people's stuff, okay? Imach, and they're, and they're, Pressure and they're, you know, you can't really mess with them. If it's because of the robber that they took it, then the robber has to reimburse. The Mishnah says the cases where the robber showed the field to these chevra. So you see that it's a din in mammon, it's a din in, in uh, financial matters, that if you show somebody else's field to the mafia and they take it, you're responsible to pay them. So now they left. And Rabbi Yisuf, my nafkalamina. So Rabbi Yisuf, remember, where was Rabbi Yisuf sitting? In the second row. See, he was sitting in the second row. So he says to the one sitting in the first row, he said to Rabbi Yisuf in the first row, he says, my nafkalamina, what's the difference to you? Why did you ask this question, top of today's daf? Why did you ask whether you pay as a fine or financially? He says, If it's a law, then we could use this halacha and apply it to other cases. It's now going to be a source in financial matters. But if it's a fine, then you can't learn out from it because you can't learn out from a fine. Says the Rabbi Yosef, again, sitting in the second row to the student sitting in the first row. And how do you know that from a knas you can't bring out, uh, you can't use a sor- as a source for other places? So he tells him, because originally they said that if you make somebody's truma tame or uh, in, unable to be used, you got to pay. That's what they used to say. Then they said you should know, not only if you make a tame, but even if you mix truma into chulin, also you're obligated to pay. Okay? Why? Because it's only capable of being eaten by a kayan and not a regular Yisrael. So it lost value. Because you can't sell it on the open market anymore. You, if you take chulin and mix it into truma, you can't sell it on the open market. So it goes down in value. Chazru in. Lai chazru lai. My There's going to be our source that you can't learn out a knas from a knas. Says Rabbi Yosef, That's not a proof. That's not a reason to mention. Maybe it means originally they held that when there's a big loss, we're nervous um, uh, about uh, somebody not paying you because it's, it's a large loss. But maybe they're not concerned about a hefsin mu'a. Now, what's the difference? So if you make something tamay mamish, mamish tamay, that's a big loss because it can't be used. But to mix truma and techulin, it's, not a, it's a loss because it can't be sold in the open market, but it's not a huge loss. You still do have customers. The kahanim are still, uh, are still allowed to eat it. That's they thought originally. But in the end, they changed it. They said, even when it's a small change in value, 
um, they, they are concerned, and therefore they said that even if a person um, mixes chum and chulin, is going to be responsible to pay. Says the Gemara, okay, so that's the conversation Rabbi Yosef had with Rav Huna. Says the Gemara, Ini, but is this true? First he said, just when you make it tamay or chuma, mix in, and then he said, even if you mixed yayin esech, chazru in, since they later said that uh, they included that case, so you're going to be responsible. But if they would not have later on included that case, he would not be obligated to pay my time, or why not? Isn't because he would have learned out from a class, or Avun is trying to stick to his guns and say, hey, you can't learn out one case of Knas to another. Let's keep in mind the big idea over here. Ravuna is sitting in the front row. And he's asking the Rebbe, Rebbe, when somebody shows a field to somebody else, he's got to pay. Was that a fine on him? Or is that a financial penalty? And he got his answer. It's a financial penalty. The Talmud in the second row says to him, why, why was your question even important? So that's they're going back and forth, okay? So says your base of low. Maybe that's maybe the reason why you're uh, you're not responsible, or you would have been responsible, is not because you don't learn out from Kanas. Maybe originally they held like Rab Avim, uh, uh, who says that we don't include Yayin Esach, and then they came to Rabbi who says we do include Yayin Esach. What does this mean? What's the statement? Originally, they hold like Rabbi Avin, this is a din in Shabbos. If, if uh, you, you shoot an arrow for Amas and Rosh Hashanah, you're obligated to pay on Shabbos. What happens if you intended to shoot the arrow for four Amas? Um, and... From the beginning of four to the end of four. Now, if you shoot it four Amis and Rosh Hashanah, are you obligated? Yeah. You're obligated in Haitzah on Shabbos. The Karashi Ra'an Kahali Chasay. And as, so I went like this. I took the arrow, I'm going to shoot it in Rosh Hashanah. As soon as I do that act, I should be Chayav Misa. Now, on the way to it landing, it tore somebody's shirt. Okay? Potter, the Allah is he doesn't have to pay for the shirt. You know why? Because there's a Kim Lebedarabine, you get the harsher punishment, and you have witnesses and everything. He's a Bichayev Misa. He's obligated in death for Shabbos transgression. So you don't pay. It's like some, somebody kills somebody else with a bullet. You don't pay for the shirt. Yichayev Misa. Okay? So you, you wouldn't be Chayev. Why? You didn't transgress Shabbos until it actually goes for Amos. This is only two Amos in. Halfway through, did it end up? Uh, did, did it end up tearing? Says Gemara, you're right. But in order for it to land, you need, you need to start and therefore there's already a uh, there's already a chiyav misa in place. Besides, that's what he, he originally he held like Rabbi Oven. Okay, and they assumed again that if somebody makes somebody else's uh, wine or food uh, wine yayanesech, you should be responsible. The same way when you start Nesach is like you're serving up a desert, right? Then they held a Gabriel. Dama Rabbi says, Mishasak Ba Kani for the moment he lifts up, he acquires it. As soon as he lifts it up, he's obligated to pay. So, but afterwards, it's going to be different because at the time that you actually made into Yayan Nesach, when you became Chayav Misa, that happened afterwards. Okay. Bottom line is, there's no proof. Again, 
let's, let's understand what just happened here. This Gishmak. We tried comparing the case of a person who shoots an arrow for Amos on Shabbos to a case of somebody who takes somebody else's wine and serves up a dessert with it. We said the same way on Shabbos is a chi of Misa. But even, so you started, you, you started the action of Shabbos and it's going to go for Amos, but it tears somebody's shirt. You don't have to pay for it. Maybe that same halacha would apply to when somebody steals somebody else's wine to use for Avaidah Zara, so you don't pay back because it's used for used for Avaidah Zara. Chayev Misa, says Gemara. No, it's different. Why? Because by the case of the wine, as soon as you pick it up, are you Chayev Misa? No. No. What happens? You acquire it. You owe it right away. And then you serve Avaidah Zara. So over there, you could be obligated on both. As opposed to Shabbos, you can't separate the shooting of the arrow from anything else because it's one action and it's all connected. That's right. The Hanukkah needs the Akira. I'm sorry, the Akira needs Hanukkah. They, go, they, they need each other. And hence, you can't divide the two. So it could be on Shabbos, you'll be potter, but by, but by uh, Avaid Zara, you'll still be Chayav because... As soon as you picked it up, you acquired it, right. and then the, the Chi of Misa happened afterwards. Okay, now, take a deep breath, and the Gemara is going to get into a few fascinating stories about Maisrim, people who inform on other Jews. Here we go. Get ready for an incredible, incredible Gemara. Rav Huna bar Yehuda ikla lebei ev yoyne. Rav Huna bar Yehuda went to the house of ev yoyne. Also lekamei de Rava. He came to Rava in bay ev yoyne. And Amalei Rava says, Kom maise babi yadcha. No, what's going on in your life? What's going on? Any, any good stories? Any interesting things that, that, that happen? Yeah. Interesting. Amalei says to him, yeah, let me tell you something. There was a Yid who was, who was under pressure. He was an Inus by idol worshippers. And this mafia came to the Jew and they pressured him to give them, that he should give them information. And he, he showed them another Yid's money. How to get money from another Yid. This came to my hand. Meaning... This was a Shiloh that came to my Bezdin. The guy who lost the money went to the Bezdin. He said, this Yid was Meiser on me. And I said, the guy who showed the mafia uh, this guy's property has to pay. He's obligated to pay. Omar Lay, Sarava says, Ahadar Lamari. He says, uh, I hate to tell you, but you Paskin wrong. You Paskin wrong. You should give the guy back his money. Titania, because the Bryce says, if you have a case where you have a yid under pressure, again, like we're dealing with major pressure, this guy, like the mafia is after him, and they're like, hey, buddy, show us something. The Lach is putter. He's not obligated to pay. Why? You're an Inus. Yeah, what happens if the mafia comes? The mafia comes to a yid. And they say, tell us right now where Yankel's money is. And you know, you're oblig- you're not, you don't have to give up your life. You don't have to put yourself in danger. You don't know what they're going to do to you. you don't, yeah, you don't know what they're going to do to you. So Rava says to him, he says, what right do you have to be Mechaev to obligate the miser? Maybe he's an Inus. 
Maybe he's, this is like a legitimate Ainus. However, if the guy actively took it, then he's going to be Chayev. So if you tell the mafia and they take the money, you're Potter. If you go get it for the mafia, then maybe you're Chayev. But he says, in your case, there's not a conversation. They pressured him. This guy was, a, he told them, why'd you obligate? Okay. Amar Rabba says, You should know that if somebody tells the mafia, or whatever, doesn't need to be a mafia. Let's say there's no pressure on the guy. There, there's, there's not a, uh, a threat. You're stunned. You want to save your own skin. For whatever reason. You want to get out of jail. You want to look good to somebody. You and him. And you tell the mafia what's going on. Or the authorities. You you're chayev. You just tell somebody. Right. Like, whatever. You want to be in yourself. That's right. Even if you want to endear yourself. The luck is even if you don't actively take it. It's as if you actively took it and you're chayev. Okay? This leniency of, oh, if you only showed you're off the hook, is only when you were under major threat. If there's no real threat here, and one yid's miser on another yid, you're responsible, to, you're responsible to pay back. Who gavra? Another story. There was a yid. Dansu Avigachavim pressured him. And they. Um, he showed the the uh, the mafia again. Sticking with that with the, that example, the wine of Rav Mari, Amrulei. They said, "Dari v'amti badan." Okay, now that we have the wine, we're, you should come with us. Come with us, Dari v'amti badayu. Oh, I'm sorry, Dari. You lift it up. You lift the wine. See here, he's doing it with his own hands. Join us and bring it with us. So he did it. Then he came from Ravashi. And Patrine, Ravashi says, does he need to pay? Why? Because again, it was Ansuhu. He was being forced. He was an Aynas. Like he didn't have an option here. Amru lay Rabban al-Ravashi. Rabban said to Ravashi, I don't understand, but time we learned the Rabbi said, Nasam, Nasam, Biyad Chayef. If you do it with your own hands, you're responsible. Amru lay, he says, Hani mihechid la'yukme, ilavi me'ikar. He says, no, that's only true where <laughs> he didn't start in the beginning with all this. However, if the whole time, the whole way along, he, uh, um, he, he, he was uh, guiding them along, it's, it, it's already considered like it was, it was the mafias. Meaning like this. Once the mafia is there to take the wine, there's no difference who actively picks it up. He was an Inus. He was under major threat. As soon as the mafia walks into the wine cellar with all the vats, even though they told this year, you lift up a barrel with us and bring it, even though he did it, it's still considered to be under duress, under threat, and, and it's not Geneva because it's already considered the mafias the moment that they, they walked in. Uh, what if the Onas says, the mafia says, he says, well, I don't understand something. If somebody's an Inus, yeah, the mafia comes to you, but they say, give me all that hay. Give me all those grapes. You're still going to be responsible. So you see, even though you're under pressure, there is a responsibility. No, there's two sides of the river, which means the mafia is telling you to do it, but guess what? There's no major pressure over here. Okay? Because, I'm sorry, not there's no major pressure. There was no way for the guy to get it himself. When the mafia can get it themselves, then you're not responsible. 
But if they can't get it themselves, and you, even though you're under pressure, and you actively do it, then we're still going to put the response to financial. Hey, listen, maybe you are obligated to do it. You're not allowed to give up your life, but coming along with that is a financial responsibility. The economy, the Tani Hayshet, he stretched out, stretched out. The light Tani Tain, he didn't say give it. Shmami not, that's talk of the case, and there's no proof. There was a net that two people were fighting over. Now, what's this net that two people are fighting over? So, uh, th- this situation came up earlier than Masechta, not this exact story. But remember, we had, a, uh, we had an interesting scenario about uh, the Kinneret. Even though it was in one Shevet's um, possession, people were allowed to catch fish. But you weren't allowed to lay out nets to get in the way of boats. Right. What if you have a net full of fish and each guy says, that's my net? Right. So that's what's happening. There was a net and two guys were fighting over the net full of tuna. So one of them went and he gave it over to the uh, authorities. says, I wasn't being a miser because I, I was claiming that it was mine. And you know what I figured? I figured this is really mine. This guy's a this guy's a scoundrel. And I had no way to get him off of it. You know what I decided? If I ain't going to have it, he certainly ain't going to have it because he's a loser. I don't like him. I might as well give it over to the authorities. So you can't obligate me. Again, because you have no proof that it was the other Yitz. Yeah. Some people say that when Esav was in the womb with Yankif, with Yaakov, so they both kicked Yaakov by a base madrash and Esav by a base of Zara. When they came to a cherch, yeah, when they came to a, a house of Zara. So Esav would kick. So they, they ask. Esav was closer to the exit. Why is he kicking? Just go out. When it, answer is, when it comes to Russia, they prefer to not go as long as you keep the tzaddik in. Yeah? So this guy's like, this guy's like, listen, we're fighting over it. If I'm not going to get it, nobody's going to get it. Nobody's going to get it. Yep. Um, <laughs> Rabbi says, He has any right to do this? No, we actually put him in Khairim for doing such a thing. And then let them come to court and fight over the net, fight over the fish that are uh, trapped inside of it. But that's not the, it's incredible. Says Rabbi, that's not the way a yid behaves. A yid behaves. If you claim it's yours, you know what a yid does? Go to Bezdin and learn what the Torah wants from you. That's what you do. You don't say, oh, could have it. we're not in kindergarten our whole lives. Hopefully. There was a fellow who showed the hay of his friend. Also, I guess, to the mafia. Also, to the Rav, Amar Lei, Loi Tachvei, Loi Tachvei. And, I'm sorry. Let's say, who gavrod to have a boy he wanted he wanted to show the hay of his friend to the authorities. Ultimately, the Rav, he came from the Rav to ask him whether he should do it. And Rav says, don't do that. He says to Rav, I certainly will. Okay, so I pause here in the story. You have a Yid who goes to the rabbi 
at least Baruch Hashem here, he hasn't been a miser yet. And he goes to Rav, and he says, I'm letting you know, Rabbi, I'm telling the authorities about the straw about the, of this other yid. Ain't nothing you're going to do to stop me. And Rav says, don't you dare. And he says, I certainly will. Yosef Rav Kahana kamei Rav. Rav Kahana was sitting in front of Rav. Shamte lekuei minei. And he broke the guy's neck. You mess with the rabbi? That's what happens. Kara Ravi love And Rav said about this. Banayach ufu shukhvu. Your children, Olaf, is to faint. Shachvu, they're lying down. Bereish kol chutzais. And the head of the streets, Kesoy Michmar. Incredible. Yeah, I know this Pasuk because it's, it's my uh, bar mitzvah after. Parsha Shaifti. Yeah. Um, it's talking about when, uh, when Klau Yisrael is, is trapped in Gullus. Klau Yisrael is trapped in Gullus. It's like we're fainting, we're lying down at the head of every street. Like an axe. Matoy just like an axe. Kivan shenafal b'michmar. When it falls into the michmar, when it falls into the trap, in merachmim alav, there's no mercy on the ox when it's trapped. Af mamon shal yisrael, when it comes to money of klal yisrael, shenafal biad oibdikachavim, when it falls to the hands of a non-Jew, in merachmim alav, they are not going to have rachmanus. Incredible. Listen to this. Listen to this. Says you know they said to this yid that they killed this guy. They killed. They broke his neck and they killed him. Why? Because when Klau Yisrael's in Gullus, if you inform on a Yid financially, you're a raidef. Because Goyim don't just come and take the money. If they run into trouble, they'll take the Jew out too. And by you informing on a Yid, you're, you're putting his life at risk. Not only financially, you're putting his life at risk. Because the Pasuk says, that's how it works in Gullus. The Goyim have no mercy for us. We're trapped in Gullus? The moment they have us, they'll do whatever it takes. It's about the money, they'll kill somebody. Amalei Rav. Rav said, Kahana. Now Rav Kahana killed this miser. He says, Kahana. Until now, they were Persian to like cut the Ashrich is done. That Pasuk applies to Persians who aren't concerned about bloodshed. But now we're under Greek rulership. The cut the Ashrich is done. Greeks actually... Their own laws don't stand for killing. And they're going to say that you're a murderer. You're now, what you should have done is wrong. What you did was wrong, he told Rav Kahana. Okay. So Rav Kahana thought he was doing a mitzvah. And Rav says, maybe what you did was right. Maybe it's true we're still in danger. But the Greeks don't put up with this. They don't put up with this. You, you now are in trouble. Kum, he got up. I'm sorry, Kum, he tell, Rav tells his Talmud. He says, Kum, get up, sack, and go. Go to Eretz Yisrael. Now listen. This story is going to take us to the bottom of the Amud. It's a wild mice, incredible story. Rav Kahana was an incredible Talmud. Going in Torah, beyond. His Rebbe is telling him, you're now in danger. You got to run. See, he tells him, where should you go? Where should you go? See, he says, I'll tell you where you should go. 
Go to Eretz Yisrael, the Kabel Ilavich, and accept upon yourself to like Takshi Rabbechen and Shavashanen. You're going to go to Rabbi Yechanan's yeshiva, he tells him. Rabbi Yechanan is the Godel in Eretz Yisrael. He says, go to Rabbi Yechanan's yeshiva. No questions asked in Shir for seven years. You, you listen to Rabbi Yechanan, you're not allowed to ask any questions. Why? It's your kapara. Your kapara. Now Reish Lakish, remember, how did he become religious? Rabbi Yechanan, right? he became Rabbi Yechanan's brother-in-law, and Rabbi Yechanan's chavrusa. So you want to get to Rabbi Yechanan, the best person to go to is Reish Lakish. So Rav Kana came to Reish Lakish, we also become a sign of Sifta, the Yom and Rabban. And he found Reish Lakish who was sitting and learning with all the Rabban Amar Lahu. And Rav Kana said to Reish Lakish, Reish Lakish, I'm sorry, he said, Rav Kana says, Reish Lakish, hey, where's Reish Lakish? Amalei, they said, Amai, why do you want Reish Lakish? Amalei, he said, Hakushi, Bahai Kushi, Bahai Peruka, Bahai Peruka. Listen, he says, uh, I've got a lot of questions. <laughs> so he couldn't ask his questions to Rabbi Echanan. So he went to Rabbi Echanan's brother-in-law in Chavrusa, and he's asking all these questions. Amalei, the Reish Lakish, they told Reish Lakish. Also Reish Lakish, Amalei, the Rabbi Echanan. So Reish Lakish went and asked all these questions to Rabbi Echanan. And he told Rabbi Echanan, my dear beloved brother-in-law and Rebbe, Ari Alami Bavel, a lion has come from Bavel, La Ayin Marbe Masifta Lamacher. Make sure, make sure you test him out tomorrow. Lamacher, the next day, I say, Berada, Bedara Kama, Kameid Rabbi Echanan. They put him in the front row, in front of Rabbi Echanan. Omar Shmaitz of Leikshi. Rabbi Echanan gave Shir, and Rav Kahana had no problems with the Shir. He didn't ask any questions. Why not? His Rebbe told him. Shmaitz of Leikshi. Next day in Shir. No questions. So they moved him seven rows back. Eventually he was sitting in a back squished corner. Yeah, like Rabiel's story. Back squished corner. says to Reish Lakish, again, Reish Lakish is his prime chavrusa, right? He says, This lion is a fox. Not so impressive. Incredible. You know what a Rebbe wants from his Talmidim? Questions. Questions. It's impressive to have questions. Omar, so Rav Kahana said, He says, he, he threw up, a, he, and I threw up. He said, a through He says, I know my Rebbe told me no questions for seven years. May it be the will of Hashem that the seven rows that I was kicked out of should be in place of the seven years. He couldn't, he couldn't control himself. Kamakari. He got up on his feet. Amalai, he said, Nahadam Abarisha. Let's start again. Let's start again. Omar Shmaitza, Rabbi Echran gave Shir Ve'ikshi. And Rabbi Kahana asked, Ukmi Bidara Kamas. They moved him back up front. Omar Shmaitza Ve'ikshi. Nachamal. Rabbi Echran Avi Yosef Asheba Bistarki. Now Rabbi Kahana was in the front row and there's nowhere else to move him. And he's pounding on Rabbi Echran's Shir. Now, Rabbi Yechanan used to sit on seven layers of fancy rugs. Fancy rugs. And every sharfa shir, every sharfa question that Rukana asked, Rabbi Yechanan told them to remove one rug. See, when he was on these rugs, he was higher up than his Talmidim. As they removed the rugs, Rabbi Yechanan got lower and lower. Omar Shmaitzov Ikshilei. And they removed another. Adushofile kulu bistraki bitusi adiyasev alara. 
Eventually, Rabbi Yechonon was sitting on the ground. Rabbi Yechonon got for Sabahavi, and Rabbi Yechonon at the time was old. Umasrechei Gavine, he had very long, eye, uh, very long eyebrows, eyelashes, eyelashes. Omar Lahu, Diluli and he asked that they should help him open his eyes so he could see Rav Kahana. Now, there's a little bit of trouble here. Dalulei Bimechalta de Kaspa, they brought a fancy silver eyelash op- uh, opener. Chaza uh, de and Rav Kahana had a, actually a physical issue where he had a split lip that always made it look like he was smirking at you. Savar Ochoch Kamechayich and Rabbi Yechanan thought that Rav Kahana was smirking at him like, gotcha. That we don't accept. You could be a Lamdan, you could be good, you could learn Tyra, but if you're not a Ben Tyra, it's not happening. Cholash Daite, Rabbi Yechanan felt bad about Rav Kahana, Venoch Nafshe, Rav Kahana died on the spot. The next day, Can you imagine somebody with so much tire? Comes from Bavel and he's smirking. You know what that is? He wanted he wanted to use Rav Kahana as as a, a symbol of something terrible. Amru Lace, they explained Darke Hachi, that's his derech. You should know he really wasn't smirking. Al Ligabei. Me'arta. And Rabbi Yechanan went from there to the cemetery. It was Eretz Yisrael. Somebody dies, they bury them right away. Chaza, he saw, the Havei, turned to Amr Beis, the Achva. That there was a Achna. Rashi says, Anachash Gadol. There was a very large snake, top line of Kufi Zayin Amr Beis. There was a very large snake by the cemetery, by, by, the, by the grave. He said, snake, snake, open your mouth and let the teacher go to the student. And the snake did not listen to Rabbi Yechanan. Rabbi Yechanan said, let a chaver, a tamir chacham, go talk and learning with other tamir chacham. The snake refused to allow Rabbi Yechanan in. He says, I will consider myself a student in front of Rav Kahana. Let the student go in front of the Rabbi. And the snake, showing Rav Kahana, showing Rabbi Yechanan the greatness of Rav Kahana, allowed Rabbi Yechanan to enter. Rabbi Yechanan davened for Rav Kahana, and Rav Kahana came back to life. So now Rav Yechanan knows He's a Talmud. Rav Kahana is the Rav. Omar Lehi says, You should know if I knew that this was a physical issue that you had, I never would have felt bad about it. Now that I understand the whole story, please come back to Yeshiva with me. What's he, what's he saying? He's saying, Rav Kahana, don't worry about it. I, I get the picture. Come learn Tyre. You have nothing to be afraid of anymore. Not to be afraid of anymore. Omar Lay, Rav Kahana said, If you're willing to daven, that I won't die again, I'm happy to come with you. But if you don't promise me that you're going to daven now, that this should never happen again, I'm not coming. I'm not coming. He says, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's not worth the risk for me. It's not worth, it's not worth the risk. Tyre, 
it's not worth the risk for because he didn't trust him. Yeah, he says time has passed. I've been dead for a day. I've been dead for a day. I need a promise that the, I, I lost twenty four hours of life. I can't. I can't afford to have this happen again. Even if you bring me back, I can't afford it. Right? Tyre Ukme. Tyre, he 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 woke up Ukme and he stood him up. Rabbi Yechanan. Uh, see, apparently Rashi the Mefarshim explained that like this conversation between Rabbi Yechanan and Rav Kahana, Rav Kahana wasn't fully back alive yet. He wasn't fully back in his body. Rabbi Yechanan was having a conversation with him by the kever. They were having this conversation, and Rav Kahana basically saying like, "I might as well stay here if there's if there's a risk." Right? So Rabbi Yechanan says, "No, c- come back." Shaili Upashtinale. He asked Rav Kahana all the questions. Rav Kahana answered all of Rabbi Yechanan's questions. He. And uh, this is why when uh, Rabbi Yechanan said about, about uh, Rav Kahana that um, I used to say that the Torah was Eretz Yisrael's, but I, now I know that it actually, while Kla Yisrael's in Golis, it belongs to Babel as well. They have great people. Rav Kahana came from Babel. They have great people as well. Chavra. I can't dwell on this too much just because of time. It's terrible that, that uh, we can't dwell on this. This is, this idea, this line, we can't forget. You could be a Yid, and please don't make, take this wrong. You can be a Yid without Eretz Yisrael. We can't be Yidin without Tyre. Without? Tyre. Uh, also. He, he's so you this. He said this today, yesterday? When he said? Yesterday. Very, very important. Very important. Right? Now, where does this come from? How do I know this? The Torah purposely was given in the Midbar. My father, Zechariah the Brachel, would point this out. And not in Eretz Yisrael. You'd think, where's the best place to get the Torah? Eretz Yisrael. No. The Torah is given in the Midbar. Because the Torah is everywhere. The Torah is everywhere. And Rabbi Yechonon says, in this time, in this space, in this place, where Klai Yisrael is in Gullus, there could be Torah in Babel too. Now, the reason why this is important is not chas to minimize anything about Eretz Yisrael whatsoever, but our Yiddishkeit has to be based around Torah. That's the, that's the message over here. Yiddishkeit, our Yiddishkeit is not based around a land. It's, we're not a nation based upon a land. We're a nation based upon Torah. And that's what Rabbi Yechonon was saying. I used to think, I used to think that like, this is what it was all about. It says I realized that, that, that there's Gullus and there's, there's Tyra there too. Okay, let's do a. No, he brought Rav Kana back to life, and Rav Kana came back to yeshiva. Yeah, and, he, and Rav Kana ultimately answered all of Rav questions that he had in Eretz Yisrael. Rav Kana was able to answer, and then Rav said on this that the Tyra is in Bavel also. There was a person. Who was a miser, and he uh, he gave Reb Abba's garment to the uh, he showed it to the mafia. Yes, were sitting and they were looking at this miser to put him in his place. Yes, was there. and they thought to obligate this miser from the following Mishnah, which says, What if um, if you have a one person who judges, and he ruled incorrectly. He ruled incorrectly. 
You know, the halacha is you cannot change it, but you need to reimburse from your own property. Okay? If you're willing to judge by yourself and you judge, I say you're obligated to pay money, Rabbi Ravinsky to Rabiel. And I'm wrong. It turns out I was wrong. You hold on to the money. I need to use my own funds to reimburse you to make things right. Amru Rabbi Loss, Rabbi Loss says, Hachi Rav, Rav says, That's only when the judge took it over Mamish with his hands, when he took the money away. Otherwise, uh, he's, just a, he's just a cause. On relay, as they said to Rav Abba, um, and now, what's the Shaykhis? Pause for a minute. Again, what was the case? This guy was a miser and told over the authorities about Rav Abba's garment. So he says, Rabbi Lo was sitting there and he said over to this Mishnah. What's the Mishnah have to do with anything about the judge? Answer is, because you see, if you don't actively take something with your own hands and you just showed somebody what to do, you're responsible. Okay, you're responsible. Uh, I'm sorry. You are not responsible unless you actually do it with your own hands. Amile, uh, they said to him, Zilla Gabedir of Shimon Medal Yakum, Rabbi Lazar Madas, the Dani Dina de Garmi, Koro Shimon Yakum, Rabbi Lazar Madas, who judged Dina de Garmi, also Gabayo, he went to them, Chaive Mi Mastisin, and he said, The Miser is obligated from our Mishnah. What do we learn in our Mishnah? If it came back because of the Gazlan, if you lost money because of the Gazlan, then Chayav Lahamalai Stayachi, you got to reimburse the field, Lukimna de Achve Achve, and the case is weird, where you merely showed. When a Miser shows the Mafia, or you show the authorities, Another yid's property, even if you don't actively take with your own hands, you're still going to be chayav. There was a person who had a silver becher, and, and um, the ganavim uh, came, ganavim came, uh, thieves came, and um, they, they wanted it. Shakla Yavinales, he took the cup and gave it to them. He was in danger. Also, the Kameh, the Rabbi came from the Rabbi Patre, and they said, he's put, Amalei Abai, Abai says, Hi, Matzalatzim, Vamachavere. Why are you allowed to? He should be obligated to pay. He's saving himself. He's under pressure. He wants to pacify them, so he gives them a silver becher. It wasn't his. So, Allah Marvashi, Rabbi says, No, Chazina, we have to check. If the guy himself, the watchman, has finances, so then these guys came to get money from him because he's a rich guy. So they know he's got fancy stuff. So then he has no right to give over somebody else's becher. You have no right to do that. You know why? Because they came for you, not for the becher. But if he doesn't, he's not a person of specific means. So then why'd they come to his house? Because they know he has a silver becher. So that's the owner's problem. That there's a silver becher. They would have gone to his house the same way, and therefore he's not going to be responsible. He's not called a miser. Who There's a person who had a purse of money to redeem a captive, and he was a watchman. And thieves came to take it. And he gave it to them. Also, came the rabbi. He came in front of rabbi. What's Allah? Because you need to reimburse. Patri, rabbi said, you don't need to pay. He saved himself with somebody else's money. You can't do that. The same way this money was to save somebody else, he was in danger, and he's allowed to use that money to save himself. There was a person, there's a person who brought a donkey onto, uh, onto a boat before people came on the boat, boy Latuve, and the fact that the donkey was on the boat made it too heavy, and it started leaning towards that side. Also, Hugavra, so uh, somebody came, and Malach Lechamara, the Hugavra, and he shoved the donkey off the boat, and the donkey drowned. 
Now, everybody was in danger. Why? Because there's a fat donkey on one side. So he pushed the donkey off. Everybody's life is saved. Let's pay the rabbi. So they came in front of the rabbi. The owner of the donkey says, hey, you got to pay me back. And rabbi says, no, patre, you guys putter. You guys putter. You're allowed to push donkey off the boat. Amli Abai says, but he's saving himself and your friend's property. And we learned before you're obligated to pay. Amrle, he says, hi, Mekar, right the father. No, the donkeys are right if. The donkey was putting people's lives in danger. And you're allowed to remove a raidef from, uh, from the danger. Hence, there's no responsibility. Right? You're allowed to, same way you're allowed to kill a person who's putting people's lives in danger. This donkey is putting people's lives in danger. Rabbi is following his own reasoning. Rabbi says, If you have a raidef, somebody chasing after somebody else to kill them, and the raidef is breaking things on the way, and that does not obligate him uh, to make any sort of financial restitution. If he kills him, he's Chayav Misa, or just the fact No, even the, even the things that are being broken because you're Chayav Misa at that time. Yeah. Now, what happens if you have Yankul's chasing Beryl to kill him, and Beryl to get away is bringing all Yankul's stuff? Potter, of course he's Potter. Because the guy who's chasing him shouldn't be, his property shouldn't be any more precious to him than his own life, which means the same way, incredible, the same way I, as a potential victim, am allowed to actively kill you at that time, I could break your stuff too. I could break your stuff too. I don't need to pay you back. What if I break somebody else's thing to save my life? I'm allowed to save my own life with his friend's prop with my friend's property. Now, I could break it to save my life, but I still need to pay. Still need to pay. What happens if Yankel's chasing Beryl to kill him? So Ruvain comes to chase Yankel. See, he's being right if. Yankel, who's being right of Beryl. The Sheba came, he breaks vessels. Ben Shinoda, Ben Shokal Adam, Potter. Reuven's going to be Potter. And you should know, this is not because of specific financial law. We have to do this for society. Even if it doesn't fall under specific parameters of why, if you don't do this, then people are going to hesitate. Same way on Shabbos, right? Uh, we allow Hatzalah guys to go back home. Without doctors to go back home, even after they do a surgery. Why? It's the, people, nobody's in danger. We don't want people to hesitate. If they know that they can't go back home afterwards, leave your family, snish push it. So we want people to not hesitate for a moment. Like maybe I shouldn't do it because I'm going to have financial responsibility. No financial responsibility. Bottom line is that if somebody is being uh, chased and you break vessels, the Allah is you are putter. Hence, same thing by the donkey in our story. Donkey's on the boat, you push the donkey off, no problem whatsoever, no responsibility, donkey's a raidif. We'll hold it here for this evening. Baruch Hashem, got a little closer to catching up, and we'll, we'll pick up 6.20 p.m. tomorrow, hopefully from Yerushalayim. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening.